It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. There's several narratives out there that I just don't accept. Including from a number of friends of mine. Colleagues of mine. We're not angry with each other. We're not fighting with each other. Brett Hume and Mark Thiessen over at Twitter. They're looking at the numbers. They're big, uh, let's just be honest, McConnell proponents. Um, And I saw this in the uh, Tea Party. 2010, I saw it when Ted Cruz was taking on McConnell, how they all attacked Ted Cruz. My problems with McConnell, which I'll get to in a minute, go much deeper than even this last election. He is a very poor leader. Now, they can point the judges all they want. Joe Biden is kicking our ass on judges right now. Just slaughtering us. We're not filibustering their judges. He's actually beating now the rate of judicial appointments that Trump had and Reagan had. And so that is bad news. I also don't like the way Mitch McConnell uses his campaign funds, yes, to help other candidates, but also to go after candidates. You don't know that Bullduck in New Hampshire, the people in New Hampshire know, uh, faced $4.5 million worth of ads in the Republican primary smearing him, and that money was uh, coming from the Senate Leadership Fund, which was McConnell. He raises this money from very wealthy Republican donors and then does with it as he wishes. And the guy he uses at that fund is a a guy by the name of Steve Law, Stephen Law, who used to work, I believe, at the Chamber of Commerce. But McConnell didn't have an agenda, as I will demonstrate. We mentioned that almost a year ago. He doesn't have an agenda. There's no legislative agenda. It's hard to win big elections that way. He trashed the Tea Party in 2010 and blamed them for bad candidates and a lack of victories. He's uh, busy, as is his media and surrogates, trashing Trump. That's why we lost this election and so forth. And it's not that simple. It's not that simple. And same with the House. Jim Jordan will be on here in less than an hour. I look at the House. I pull back. I look at the House, put personalities aside. I even put the McConnell personalities. What's the problem? He's the the problem. He doesn't want any younger senators or senators with more uh, relevant ideas or more conservative, cutting-edge ideas to have any power. And he's been there 15 years, and what have we accomplished, really? We're losing the country. I look at a guy like uh, Kevin McCarthy. I don't view McCarthy as I view McConnell. They're two different people. McConnell's been in the minority. Hasn't been uh, leading the Republicans. Paul Ryan led the Republicans. So he's really not had an opportunity to exercise his power. And you'll say, what about this election? Man raised almost half a billion dollars. I know McConnell raised about $200 million, but he raised almost half a billion dollars. He wasn't going after candidates in the general election, picking and choosing and cherry-picking. They were throwing money everywhere they could to try and get people elected. And I want to talk more about 
some of these people who are challenging him. I am not a special pleader for Kevin McCarthy. I just am curious to see how they're going to get a majority uh, in support of any Republican. If not him, who? If not him, who? I even wrote, you know, I get contacted constantly. I was today from a number of my friends at the, uh, uh, what do they call the group? COVID, the Freedom Group in there, including Ch- Freedom Caucus, several of them. And I said, who do you have? They don't have anybody. I said, I thought Biggs. I'm sorry to say this. A lot of them said, most people don't like Biggs. I said, well, I've had to deal with Biggs myself in Arizona, which I'll get to in a minute, and he was no conservative. So my view is, McCarthy needs to embrace the conservatives, as he has several, like Jim Jordan. He would be chairman of the uh, Judiciary Committee. Marjorie Taylor Green, is it? He's got more tolerance for her than I do. Who's campaigning for him effectively? Donald Trump making calls on his behalf. I'm not making calls to anybody. I'm just speaking out loud to you. I see a distinct difference between McConnell, who is affirmatively anti-movement conservative, and... Kevin McCarthy, who's right of center, who has to figure out how to build a working majority. One uses an iron fist and is very, in my view, kind of sleazy in the way he operates. That's McConnell. And Kevin McCarthy kind of wears it all on his sleeve. But But I'll make the distinctions better in a moment. I want to read something to you then I think some of this will make a little more sense. First of all, Ron Johnson and Hawley and Rubio and Graham and Cruz and Lee and Scott and Loomis, that's eight United States senators so far by my count, have asked Mitch McConnell to put off this vote for leader because Herschel Walker is running and we don't have a senator chosen yet from Alaska because in Alaska which we'll get to in a minute, and we've talked about before. The fact of the matter is that Mitch McConnell tried to defeat one Republican, a conservative, that was backed by the Republican Party of Alaska in order to elect his friend Lisa Murkowski. This is outrageous. And the fact that he spent money in the Republican primary in New Hampshire and did grave damage to General Bolduck, a hero, a patriot, it's outrageous. The fact that he didn't lift a finger and give one cent to Blake Masters. Now, the answer for the, the McConnell crowd is always the same thing. Well, how much did Trump spend? Trump is an ex-president. This guy is the leader of the Republican Party, whether you like it or not, effectively, in the United States Senate. He's the one with a quarter of a billion dollars. Okay, ex-presidents, where the hell was George W. Bush? He wasn't anywhere. Why didn't he help? Dick Cheney can't even show his face anywhere right now. Where was Chris Christie, who's all over the place now, commenting? Or Larry Hogan, another fraud. Where were these guys? Nowhere. Nowhere. The problem is the current leadership in the Senate. And McConnell decided to run on nothing. 
Rick Scott's right. I pointed this out before, as a matter of fact, Mr. Producer. We have a couple of clips on that. I think we do. You still with me, Mr. Producer? Let's listen. Let me see here, folks. I got we've got so many clips here. Uh, let's see. Go ahead. Cut eight. Go. Mitch McConnell is, if not the longest, one of the longest serving Republican leaders in the Senate, which is a remarkable thing because he's not bright. He's not articulate and he's unprincipled. Well, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be, huh? Sure looks that way. And he's so compelling, all the other Republicans vote for him to be their leader. Now, what it is, he's like a mob boss. He threatens them to withhold money from them. He's figured out how to do it. And he's been doing it a long, long time. And he doesn't lay out an agenda for the Republicans in the Senate. I dare anybody to tell us what the Mitch McConnell, the putative leader of the Republicans in the Senate, what his agenda is. You won't know because he hasn't told anybody. That's February 23, 2022. We have other clips. I'm not going to bore you with all of them, which I said uh, a few months back when he was specifically asked by a reporter, what is the agenda, the legislative agenda we're running on? Bipartisanship. Remember how I mocked him? He had no substantive agenda. None. Zero. Now, you hear the backbenchers all mentioning that now. We've been mentioning that for month after month after month after month. What are they running on? Well, inflation, what are you going to do? What are you running on? Nothing. He's not running on anything. National Review has one of the dumbest editorials in the history of National Review. It's an embarrassment. Defending Mitch McConnell. There's nothing to defend. And when you read my friends, uh, Mark Thiessen and uh, Britt Hume, they're not really my friends, they're my acquaintances. When you read what they write, it's fine. It's all expected. It's something you've heard a thousand times already. The great Mitch McConnell, there he is saving us from Trump. There he is saving us from the Tea Party. Wasn't long ago he was saving us from Reagan. What do you mean, Mark? I want to read something to you from somebody who wrote a book about McConnell, but I understand that people have biases and so forth, but there's some very interesting history here. Who is McConnell? He doesn't speak well. He's not articulate. He's not charismatic. He won't go on most conservative media. He's the most despised Republican politician of all Republican politicians. How does he manage to be the head of the Republicans in the Senate? When his own base doesn't stand him. That's why he can't go out like Schumer and campaign for these candidates. Who did he campaign for? Nobody. They talk about Trump don't show up in Georgia. McConnell can't show up in Georgia. McConnell couldn't show up in Nevada. McConnell couldn't show up in Pennsylvania. He couldn't show up in New York. Can't show up anywhere. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. Fox News Channel and I are extending my show for another four years. Uh, It was up in February. We're extending it another four years. Uh, We've had a great relationship. Suzanne Scott trusted that I could do a show and not get thrown off the air. Uh, on Fox and uh, where others did not and I want to thank her and her team and all the uh, all the folks in between who uh, who have supported this so uh, we will be doing another four years assuming I'm here I think I will be um, four years starting in February and I know this upsets all our enemies out there but that's just too bad so uh I want to congratulate them. They congratulated me. And so we move forward in what will be a very interesting and critically important four years. And most of all, I want to appreciate all you folks in the audience. Life, Liberty, and Levin has been, really, without fail, the number one Sunday night primetime show for years. And thanks to you, we have defeated... MSNBC and CNN combined week after week after week after week. And it's often the number one show in the entire weekend on cable news talk. Uh, And we have to duke it out with football, and we have to duke it out with Yellowstone and all the rest of it, but you, you show up. And I do the very best I can on that program to make it worth your while. I don't shoot from the hip. It's something we think about a lot. We think about the guests. We keep it limited. We go deep. And uh, now that this campaign is over, we're going to continue with that format. It's a unique, long-form interview format. Again, I want to thank you. I want to thank Fox. I want to thank my family, my beautiful wife, Julie, all of our kids, my wonderful mother-in-law, everybody. All right, I want to talk to you folks for a second. I've been doing this for about 20 years. You and I, we've been through a lot together. We were through the Tea Party and various movements beyond that, various candidacies beyond that. Many of you have purchased many of my books. I've written nine books. Millions and millions. What are they about? What are they about? What do I do? What is the purpose of all this? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I've been thinking about this. I've been watching the media. I've been watching the politicians. I've been watching these governors today spout off 
I've been watching the the people who have spent most of their life inside the Washington, D.C. bubble, working for one of these entities or another, working for think tanks. And I've been watching this McConnell for 20 years, and I'm going to tell you something. I want to tell something to Mitch McConnell. I want to tell something to Chris Christie and Larry Hogan and Asa Hutchison. I want to tell something to the Republican establishment that's still here, still dug in, no matter who we send to Washington, no matter what revolution we have politically. I want to tell you something. You guys are trying to exploit this past election to empower yourselves yet again. You don't care about Donald Trump. Your vicious, constant, obsessive attacks on Trump, that Trump's time has come, we get to decide that. We the people, you don't get to decide that. We get to decide if Larry Hogan is presidential material. You don't get to decide that. I want to tell you something. If at the end of the day, the Mitch McConnells went out over the course of the next few years, if the Republican establishment wins out, if the Mitt Romneys went out and the Chris Christies and the Hogans and the Asa Hutchisons went out and the Peggy Noonans, then count me out. And I'm going to encourage, I'm going to lead a movement where millions and millions of us refuse to back the Republican Party. They keep threatening us. They keep talking about the people who lost, what kind of reprobates they were, when they wouldn't even support them. Every person I just mentioned to you didn't lift a finger to help these candidates. Not a finger. McConnell played games. He cherry-picked. But McConnell has blocked more in the Senate and promoted more deficit spending and so-called bipartisan legislation. This country is dying from this. We the people are dying from this. We're getting smothered. And I don't need lectures from Paul Gigot and his team over at the Wall Street Journal. Once in a while they ought to go out and meet the people every now and then. And I don't need lectures from the National Review, which used to be a great magazine. Still has a few great writers, but not enough. Who come to the defense of the very people who have created this situation. Fifty years as an activist. Twenty years on the radio. Many of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean that we support every nut job who's out there. It doesn't mean that we don't have prudence and think about various candidates and so forth. What I'm talking about is if you and you're smart out there, step back. Look at what's going on. Chris Christie gets a standing ovation at the Republican Governors Association meeting. For the last five, six, seven days in a row, Trump, 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 Trump even from our friends. They see it as their opportunity. People who didn't help us at all. People who do not 
when they say unite, do not invite conservatives in. We are not going to beat the Marxists. We are not going to promote the Constitution. We are not going to promote liberty if we agree to this. We have more power than all of them combined. You and me. And the 14 and a half million listeners to this program over the course of a week. We have more power. This is our country. It's not Mitch McConnell's. It's not Chris Christie's. It's not some newspaper editorial pages. It's us. And they put the same propagandists on radio and TV over and over again in the newspaper. Saying the same thing. If only the Tea Party had done this. If only MAGA had done that. If only conservatives had done this. Excuse me. The only reason the Republican Party has any relevance and any power is because of you. Mitch McConnell's walking around. He's crowing up there on Capitol Hill. I have the votes. The bastard has the votes. They all line up behind him. Not a damn one of them, except really about a handful of them, but the ones that lined up behind them. They're not worth a damn. Nothing. Barrasso. Thune. Well, Thune got 70% of it. Gives a damn. What do I care? Gets 100% of the vote out of South Dakota. Why do I mind? Has nothing to do with me, except when he serves as a henchman for McConnell. I know McConnell better than McConnell knows McConnell. Oh, the judges. Excuse me. He gets credit for judges? Bob Dole would have done it. Trent Lott would have done it. Any solid conservative in there would have made sure. Don't give me Mitch McConnell and the judges. The guy's been there 15 damn years. Can you point to something else? They ask us, vote for Romney. We line up behind Romney. Look what Romney's become. A fraud. Get behind McCain. You get behind McCain. Can't run a damn presidential campaign. And now all the losses, the same incompetent Republicans who deliver defeat after defeat after defeat. The same incompetent Republicans, the same Mitch McConnells who opposed Ronald Reagan in 76, who opposed Ronald Reagan in 1980. That's how foresighted this clown is. Runs the Republicans in the Senate. He's their leader. This guy is so unpopular among Republicans, he can't even speak at a Republican event. He can't even campaign for candidates. He can't even go on conservative shows. I'm not talking about frauds. I'm talking about really conservative shows. Can't do it. And won't do it. Because he's despised. Except by all the mouthpieces inside the Beltway. And in New York. That's where his support comes from. The fact that he can't communicate to the American people. He can't talk. 
He's not uniting anybody. He's not uniting anybody. Now, what about Trump? He's making an announcement tonight. I don't know what it is. I don't even want to know in advance what it is. He'll do what he wants. Well, let me tell you a little secret. Donald Trump and I become quite friendly. We don't talk that much. Ron DeSantis and I are very close, very good friends. Let him duke it out. I do not support the vicious personal attacks on DeSantis, whether it's the New York Times or Donald Trump. And I've said it. But the people who are trashing Trump are the people who've never liked Trump. Chris Christie? What the hell did this jerk do in New Jersey? The Democrats still control New Jersey. What did this idiot Larry Hogan do? He opposed his own Republican candidate. He doesn't believe in a big tent. All these guys are grifters. All they do is promote themselves. They want a TV show or they, they, wanna, they want some kind of a legacy. I don't know what it is. They don't have a snowball's chance in hell. And there's George W. Bush, sitting happy. Where the hell is he? Waco, Texas, painting. And having a grand old time with the Obamas. Did you know they're good friends? Oh, yes, particularly he and Michelle. Well, the country's burning. Doesn't lift a damn finger to help. Not a finger. The fact is, the most selfish Republican bastards have always been the same selfish Republican bastards. The ones that don't work hard. The ones that expect to have power. The ones who work closely with the corrupt media to trash their conservative opponents. I've seen it too often. I see how they went after Reagan. It took them three damn times to get the nomination. Why? Because the Republican establishment didn't want them. Look what the hell Trump's had to put up with. Don't get me wrong. I get annoyed too. Yes, I do. But that man doesn't deserve what he gets. And he swings back. Maybe he swings back in ways I wouldn't. But that's what he does. So he needs to go to prison for that, right? And they're already trashing DeSantis. They're already trashing him. And they'll trash the others too. What I'm saying here, and I want to be abundantly clear. We keep getting threats by the McConnell types and the establishment types. Now it's our turn. You guys take this party over, you kill this conservative movement, and I'm walking away, hopefully, with 14 and a half million listeners. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. 
You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. What is the most important issue or policy that you think a Republican Congress should be focused on? What is the most important issue or policy that you think a Republican Congress should be focused on? That is my question. If you're in Congress, what is the big issue that you want to focus on? Now, Mitch McConnell won the Senate leadership election, and the media are thrilled. Why are the media thrilled? Even many of our media are thrilled. Why are many in our media thrilled? It was 37 to 10 with one voting present. Mitch McConnell never had 10 senators vote against him for leadership position. Now, you would have thought it would be a little closer than that, considering what happened. But no. No. Mitch McConnell is the least popular Republican among Republicans. He can't even campaign in Georgia right now. Oh, his boy Stephen Law will throw money into Georgia. All this money they collect from special interests and so forth, and this is why those guys are bought and paid for by the Washington establishment, and they are the Washington establishment. But my question is, why can't Mitch McConnell go into Georgia and campaign for Herschel Walker? The reason is he's so incredibly unpopular. And another reason is the guy cannot speak. He's not passionate. He's not charismatic. He's quite the opposite. And it's funny that people who critiqued Trump last night, some of the same, you know, most of these guys are Bush guys. Have you noticed? Most of the people attacking Trump are Bush guys. McConnell guys. That's who they are. But they said Trump last night was a little sleepy and so forth. It was obvious Trump wanted to change his tone. He was much more, I think, effective in the way he delivered his speech. Much more. He was very substantive. You could tell he was very knowledgeable about all the issues. Said, oh boy, he's boring. So on the one hand, they say, you know, he needs to cool it. On the other hand, he cools it. And then they say, whoa, he cools it. And so we have a conga line of people who are going to comment tonight, who commented yesterday, who have the same mindset. And they're telling us what to think. And they're telling they hate Trump, but they're telling us about Trump. Now, I want to talk to you about the media for a second. I'm giving you time to call in, too, but I want to get into this. The media are desperate for a war between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. They're desperate for it. That's why DeSantis has been very, very smart not to take the bait. I'm hoping Donald Trump will continue in the mode he was last night. But that's what they want. Why? So they can knock them both out. And clear a way for a rhino who can't win. That's exactly what's going on. So the media are desperate for a war between DeSantis and Trump. Trump took the bait. Once, has backed off so far. I hope he continues to. DeSantis hasn't taken the bait once. In fact, DeSantis said today, look, I am focused. There's things we still need to do in Florida and so forth. Doesn't mean he's not plotting to run for president. And he has every right to do that. 
He'd be a great president. And now they're running around asking Republicans, who do you endorse? Who do you endorse? Who do you endorse? I mean, folks, we, we have a country to save here right now. The media are trying to drive an agenda. Look at the New York Post every day now with the comical, childlike front page. In fact, it's so comical and childlike that CNN now is touting the New, York Time, the New York Post front page. They're using it. They're laughing. They're having a good old time. And if the, uh, the little boys and girls at the New York Post and elsewhere don't understand, they're creating a backlash. Just like the nerds, the office nerds at the Wall Street Journal editorial page. National Review, nobody's even reading it anymore. But you get the point. You keep poking, poking, poking. Oh, look, we're having fun here in our newsroom, in our opinion room. Oh, we're having fun. You're so stupid. You're getting the opposite reaction. You're getting the opposite reaction. And you're going to continue to get the opposite reaction. And you may actually lose some followers. Because this is serious business saving this country. Serious business saving this country. Which goes back to my opening question to you, ladies and gentlemen, which is this. Speaking of saving the country, what do you consider? What do you consider the most important issue that Congress should be taking up right now, immediately? That the Republicans should be fighting for and looking for answers for legislatively. What are the most important issues? Melissa. Lake Royals, Florida, XM Satellite. What's the most important issue, Melissa? Energy independence, Mark. I'd like to see our pipelines open back up because I live in rural Florida, and we are farmers and ranchers, and everything that we do relies on diesel and fuel. I'm a teacher. I drive an hour away to school every day. So that money is draining our pockets, and I don't see any plug-ins on these trees that I live in for mm-hmm. a, an electric outlet to plug up an electric car. It just is not possible in rural America. All right, Melissa, thank you. Matthew, I don't know where he's from. Well, let's go to Paul, Macon, Georgia, WMAC. Paul, what is the most important issue as you see it? Illegal immigration. Paul? Illegal immigration? So that should be their first act to do something yes. about that. What is the number one issue that Republicans should be pushing in Congress right now? The number one issue. So far, we've had energy and immigration. Jake Guthrie, Iowa, XM Satellite. What do you say, brother? Diesel prices, Mark. And, Diesel uh, prices, exactly. As far as I'm yep. concerned, this year... Yep, Joe Biden will be the Grinch who stole Christmas around my home as I'm a full-time truck driver, owner-operator. And you see what's happening, which is a, which is a shock. Thank you, Jake, and I'm sorry about that. Andrew, Green Bay, Wisconsin, the great WTAQ. Hell of a football game over the weekend. Go ahead, Andrew. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, energy uh, uh, self-sufficiency And a lot of these other problems, like inflation and everything, will take care of themselves once we have that. All right. Thank you, my friend. Let's go to Clifton, New York, 
the great WHAM. Paul, what do you say? I say the economy and inflation, one will take care of the other and uh, get, get everybody back to work and making this country uh, what it's supposed to be. Okay, my friend, let's keep going. Frank, Long Island, the great WABC, what's the number one issue Congress, particularly Republicans, should be pushing right now? Taking the lid off the deep state, kind of a cheat issue, but it touches on everything. That, mm-hmm. that includes exposing a rogue Justice Department, all of the internationalists undermining the Constitution and our country, election fraud, that you take the lid off that, you know, and that is pulling the ticks off before you can address the Lyme disease. All right, my friend. Kevin, San Diego, California, XM Satellite. What is the number one issue the Republicans in Congress should be addressing and, con- and focused on? First issue. Mark, you're a great American. Thank you. First issue is McCarthy needs to make a statement and they need to uh, defund the irs agents they need to come out of the gate and say we're going to do what we said we're going to do all right appreciate that jacob benton illinois on the mark levin app what is the number one issue republicans should confront right now jacob i think the first thing most immediate is to fix the economy whether that means getting our energy independence back i think first of all and uh, getting more money back in our pockets so we can continue to thrive like we were supposed to. All right, Jacob, thank you. Dave in Boca Raton, Florida, the great WJNO, the number one issue Republicans in Congress should confront immediately. What is it, Dave? Social media. Too many bots have too many influence on the Democrat Party, and they're listening to bots versus listening to people. All right, sir. Thank you. They're all good. Mark, what are you getting at? Stay with me. Monica, Brooksville, Florida, XM Satellite. What is the number one issue? Close the borders. Mm-hmm. All right. Short and sweet. There we go. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, um, here we are. What is it that the Republicans are going to focus on? Well, the Republicans have just focused on giving the Democrats 12 votes in the United States Senate to overcome a filibuster to codify same-sex marriage. That's the first things the Republicans did. Under their newly minted leader, who's been there forever, Mitch McConnell, they didn't say, we're not voting on anything until we get the border addressed with illegal immigration, to get this inflation addressed, and the economy addressed, to deal with big tech, to deal with the FBI. That wasn't their first issue. What did they do? They showed bipartisanship. Bipartisanship. So 12 Republican senators, led by Tillis in North Carolina, and Collins in Maine, because I guess they're the real tail that wags the dog of the Republican Party. They voted to codify same-sex marriage all over the country. Why? Can anybody tell me why? 
Now, there are some gay people listening saying, well, what's wrong with that? Why? Can gay people not get married? We have a Supreme Court decision that said they can. And it applies to the entire country. Why would any Republican waste their time with this? Why? They say they built some protections in there for religious liberty. I spoke to one of the conservative senators who actually understands how the law works. He said, not good enough. So in terms of protecting religious liberty, that would be a federalism issue for the states. So they want to blow out the states altogether. So this was what the Republicans did. Their first act was to ensure a filibuster-proof vote on quote-unquote codifying, they like to say, same-sex marriage. Now, why would they do that? As opposed to saying, no, we want to fight for these other issues. Why would they do that? Because they're led by a numbskull. And he's going to disappoint you at every turn. Well, what about the judges? That's always their answer. What about his fundraising? Always the same answer. No agenda. As I speak, it's been over a week since the election. This guy was just elected 37 to 10 and one abstention, one voting present. The Republican leader again. Did he run on a legislative agenda? No, there's nothing in the media that says he did. Well, what's his legislative agenda? You're not going to believe it. I'm going to tell you what it is after the break. I don't have enough time to do it right now. But your legislative agenda is not the same as Mitch McConnell's legislative agenda. And this is my point. This vote will play well at the New York Times and the Washington Compost. This vote will play well at the Constipated News Network and MSLSD. This vote will play well here and there, you know, Manhattan and, and Palm Springs. and so This vote has nothing to do with anything substantive. You got people out there who are sweating it to make ends meet. You've got an economy that's on the brink with diesel fuel shortages and other things coming. And this is what the Republicans decide to do with their first damn vote. My God. They point to DeSantis. He's the future. These guys can't hold a candle to DeSantis. They don't believe in DeSantis. They don't believe in conservatism at all. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I rarely am wrong, but I want to apologize to you. I was mistaken. Mitch McConnell held a press conference today, and he did lay out his legislative agenda. I want you to increase the volume on your radio or however you're listening to this program and take a very careful listen. Cut one, go. And so my message to the administration, and you saw some of it this year, Let's find some things between the 40-yard lines that we can agree on and do them. And we did some of that this year. Infrastructure, chips, school safety, mental health. We need to make some progress for the American people. But 
It's going to have to be in the political center. If the House becomes Republican, there's no more one party running over us like they did through reconciliation. There you go. Wow. The infrastructure bill. 19 idiotic Republicans adding to the inflation in this country. Chips, which they said that'll teach the Chinese a lesson. It had no teeth. School safety. He's talking about gun control. And mental health. I have no idea what they've done to advance the cause of mental health. Certainly not much. That's the great middle. That doesn't address a single thing you folks said to me in the 20 or 30 minutes that I allotted to your calls. Nothing. Is that what Chuck Schumer said his agenda is? Let's meet at the 40-yard line in the center. You know what he's pushing? Amnesty. Citizenship. For all the illegal aliens in the country. That's what he said. Cut four, Mr. Producer, go. But I also believe in it as an overall, as an American who wants to see our country be stronger. Because immigrants make us stronger now more than ever. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own. No, we're short of people who want to work. We're not short of workers. There's 7 million people sitting on their asses because of your policies, clown, and Biden subsidizing them sitting on their asses. Anyway, go ahead. That it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers, and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Listen, I don't know how many are here, 11 million, maybe it's 100 million, whatever. We want to give them all citizenship. Now, keep in mind, he doesn't want to secure the border either. Does that sound like he wants to meet in the center at the 40-yard line? Now, this is a leader. He's a leader, a leader of Marxism, but that is a leader. Does McConnell sound like, I want to meet at the 40-yard line. How about we meet at the border and secure it, you idiot? And he has all those people trumpeting his amazing qualifications. There's no qualifications. He's a he's a suck up. He's a uh, he's a sellout. That's because you're a right wing, Mark. No, not right wing. Cut six, Mr. Producer. Go. If we can get ten Republicans to join us, we will get this done by the end of the year. It's the smart thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's the moral thing to do. It's the humane thing to do. And I want to assure everyone here, we will not stop fighting till we get a fix for DACA, a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, and a pathway to citizenship for all undocumented. You notice they keep raising the bar. It was DACA now. It's everybody, ladies and gentlemen, and not just amnesty, citizenship, which we knew he always wanted. I've been telling you that for 20 years, sitting right here in this chair. And what is the Republican response? There is none. Because our great leader, Mitch McConnell, is slow on his feet, 
and marble-mouthed. And he doesn't even agree with us. We got, we got, we got the infrastructure. Infrastructure. And I told Bob we'd be meet on the 40-yard line. You know, we got to come to the center here. He has no comprehension of what we're up against here, these Marxist forces and movements. He's a moron. Dressed up as a genius. He's a moron. And 37 Republicans voted to extend his leadership, as they call it. And at come January, he will be the longest-serving Republican leader in American history. Well, that's sure worth it. It just shows you. They talk about the quality of candidates, right? Well, now it's my turn. Let's talk about the quality of our senators. McConnell's team. It sucks. They're not even average. They've got no testosterone. Even the women. They have no hormones. The men and the women in the Republican Senate are pathetic cowards. They talk about a country club. It really is a country club. They have no connection. Look at you folks called in. You said the border, the economy, inflation, big tech. But there's an arm's long list of things that need to be addressed. I'm not saying we will win, but fight. Look at what Schumer said. We got to get 10 Republicans, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up, he says, until we give citizenship to every illegal immigrant. Every illegal immigrant, they let in 5 million more illegal immigrants. They're stuck on that 11 million number for the last 30 years. That's not what McConnell says. And that's it. No leadership, not on policy, not on communications. And he stands there like it's a funeral every time with the, with the five biggest, dumbest-looking white guys standing around him. Have you noticed that, Mr. Producer? Bassaro, uh, Thune, what's that, Cornyn, the other jerk who just uh, is retiring from Missouri. I can't remember his name. They're all standing there. Bobbing their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, what? And then when you question him, oh, Trump, Trump, uh, Trump, you know, we would have won everything, but we whatever, Trump, Trump, and Trump. But it's more than Trump. I just came across an article that was leaked to Mediate, obviously coming from the Mitch McConnell f- corner, because Mitch doesn't like being called out for his failures. He doesn't like being called out for his failures. So there's a hit on DeSantis in there, coming from a Republican. And what's the hit on? Well, um, let me see. Let me pull this up for you. I just, I just sent this out. Here it is. It's at media. You know, when there's leaks to these enterprises, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of the classic Mitch McConnell leak. And media, of course, is filled with reprobates and morons. Why did the GOP let Ron DeSantis... And Rick Scott cannibalized the Tea Party's 2022 funds to prop up their 2024 ambitions. This is Sarah Rump. You remember her. She's a phony fraud and a reprobate. And she just put this out. 
With the Republicans' red wave failing to materialize in the midterm elections, and no shortage of figure-pointing going on as ambitious Republicans seek to absolve themselves of fault and elbow their rivals out of the way, one question that should be asked is why did the Republicans allow Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senator Rick Scott to cannibalize the party's resources? Now, where would this come from, Mr. Producer? You think Sarah Rump is smart enough to look into this or something? No, the media are stupid. Now, they're left-wing, but they're stupid, so they're hand-fed this stuff. So guys like Stephen Law, who has his head so far up McConnell's ass that that's his career. His career is walking around with McConnell with his head up his ass. DeSantis's re-election campaign against former Republican governor and independent Charlie Crist was predicted to be a wipeout by virtually all political observers from the beginning. There were a few brief moments of wondering if the Supreme Court Dobbs decision might boost a Democratic turnout or the Venezuela migrants. Uh, DeSantis flew to blah, blah, blah. But he was going to win, don't you know? And when President Joe Biden praised the DeSantis administration's response to Hurricane Ian in early October, it was viewed as the final nail in the coffin for Chris' hopes for victory. Doesn't this sound like this was spoon-fed to her, Mr. Producer? 2022 race for Florida governor is officially over, was the blunt assessment by Florida politics publisher Peter Scorch. But... Nationally, multiple polls of key races proved to be inaccurate by overestimating Republican support. But in the Florida race, they erred by understating votes for DeSantis. So what happened? The financial disparity between the two candidates was even larger than their vote totals. DeSantis collected an astonishing massive chest, a war chest, amplified by small dollar donations from supporters across the country and was the top fundraiser nationally of all gubernatorial candidates, according to the Tampa Bay Times. So, here you go. According to the most recent campaign finance reports on the Florida Division of Elections, uh, DeSantis' direct campaign took in over $28 million in monetary donations. Uh, His PAC piled up $209 million. Chris' fundraising looks laughably anemic in comparison with $18 million for his campaign. And uh, friends for uh, Charlie Crist Pack. And so her question is, with so, here you go, here's the hit. With so many competitive races across the U.S., you might assume that the Republican Governors Association, tasked with helping elect and re-elect govern, gov, Republican governors, would not have spent money much money in Florida this year, you might assume that if the RGA did donate to DeSantis, they certainly wouldn't have made it a priority race. Such assumptions, although reasonable, would be wrong. And they give a screenshot of the Republican Governors Association donations to the Friends of DeSantis PAC. 20950000 So less than 10% of what he raised. Just looking at the first six months, she breaks it down. $21 million they burned in the Sunshine State could have saved struggling Trump-endorsed candidates like Doug Mastriano. No, he couldn't have been saved. Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake wouldn't even come on this program. Lake did not launch her first TV ad of the general election. The problem in Arizona wasn't that she didn't, she didn't have money. Of course, um, Masters didn't have money. That was the problem there. Turning to Scott, and then she slams Scott. So she slams DeSantis, and she slams Scott. And who doesn't she slam, Mr. Producer? McConnell. 
for the way they blew so much of their money. So here you have Sarah Rump, a mouthpiece, a mouthpiece for McConnell, a mouthpiece for Rove, a mouthpiece for Law, a mouthpiece for all the losers. All the losers. Now they're attacking DeSantis. This is what I've warned you about. They want a blood fight between Trump and DeSantis. And also, McConnell doesn't want DeSantis. Neither does Rove. Neither does this guy, Stephen Law. Washington does not want DeSantis or Trump. They didn't want Reagan. They do not want a conservative who is serious about slashing the size of government, reining in the spending. They don't want it. I just showed you why the Republicans are losers. I just showed you why. And why our so-called media are losers, too. Because they're out there regurgitating what Mitch McConnell says. You're going to have to ignore our so-called media. Listen to me and other people who are free thinkers, who are independent thinkers, who are just thinkers. I just showed you in the last 50 minutes why the Republicans are losers. And one of the great obstacles to defending and supporting liberty in this country. Do you not wish that we had a leader in the Senate with the strategic skills, with the ability to connive, with the ability to to spin words, but a relentless battle attitude that Schumer has for us? It works for them, but on us, we think we need a wet blanket. None of us voted for McConnell. Almost none of us supported McConnell. We have no say in it. None whatsoever. 37 Republican senators, and we're not even allowed to know who they are. We're not even allowed to know who they are. Voted to return this nitwit to his quote-unquote leadership post. And meanwhile, he's putting out leaks, attacking DeSantis, attacking Trump, while he's pretending to be above the fray. Then you got slobs like Chris Christie who actually thinks he's relevant. You're a slob. You're not relevant. And then I look at this guy, Larry Hogan. His double chin has a chin. The guy's got a triple chin going on there. He thinks he's presidential material. He's an idiot. They didn't do anything for their states. What did they do? I go to New Jersey every, every Thanksgiving. I actually love New Jersey. It's the government there that I hate. But they have great restaurants like I grew up with, delis, bagel play, you know, that sort of thing. Well, what did Chris Christie do? Anything lasting or profound? No. Remember when they caught him on the, uh, on the beach, Mr. Producer? Like a beached whale with his family? The whole beach is empty. And there's the big sperm whale right there on the beach. I don't know what he's doing. Sunning himself. I remember. You all remember that? Oh, yeah. Man of the people. Which people? Larry Hogan. I remember Larry Hogan's father. Now, there was a, a principled man. Certainly didn't rub off on Larry, I can tell you that. Larry Sr. And then, of course, the TV. They have a conga line of Trump haters after his speech last night. Oh, yeah. Disgruntled former employees. Failed authors. You got, uh, uh, what's this guy? Mick Mulvaney. 
What do I care what Mick Mulvaney has to say? He's a mental midget. Oh, and then we have, uh, who else? This Esper, the former Secretary of Defense. He was there about three minutes. A real hate on there. Our buddy Mike Pence is all over TV, trashing Trump. Let's move forward. But let's first talk about January 6th again. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. Nancy Pelosi, I posted this earlier, so I guess the uh, echo chamber's out there. I said she was fired by the American people. But, of course, I'm the, I'm the uh, fourth hitter here. I'm the cleanup hitter. I'm not early in the morning and all the rest. But fired by the American people, she's now officially a backbencher. And a disgruntled backbencher at then, classless, nasty, right to the end. And the bipartisan morons there applauding her, applauding her for destroying our economic system, applauding her for open borders, applauding her for attacking the Supreme Court, applauding her, oh, I could go down the list. One of the great, iconic leaders of all time, Nancy Eva Pelosi, because she was a very contemptible, radical San Francisco leftist who imposed her will like a dictator in the House of Representatives. And that's what the media want. And that's what her supporters want. They talk about democracy. It's like the so-called People's Republic of China, the People's Republic of the Democrat Party, just for the people, don't you know? Well, the people kicked her ass out. So now, so now she can sit in the back with all the other backbenchers. Then I heard all these election deniers. I'm not going to sit here and allow the media and the Democrats to define people. The election deniers. I hear the Republicans are sick and tired of the Democrat election deniers. From 2000 and 2004 and 2016. The election deniers. Benny Hill Thompson, Jamie Raskin, Hillary Clinton, Barack Melhouse Benito Obama, Terry McAuliffe, Joe Biden, the election deniers. Yes. And now the Republican investigations. They haven't even opened a single investigation yet. But the idea that they've announced it is just too much. Are you kidding? We can't have investigations this is why the republicans didn't do so well they're not focused on inflation and the border you believe this coming from the same people that pushed investigations and impeachment and coups and collusion and all their oh we can't have investigations now and then of course the media even our so-called friendly media it could be a political pitfall for the Republicans if they do this and overreach. My God, what's wrong with them? First of all, I want to thank and salute the House Republicans, the Senate Republicans, under the iron fist, under the iron fist of a unhinged rhino by the name of Mitch McConnell, aren't going to investigate crap. Well, I want to meet with them. We're on the 40 yard, 40 yard line, you idiot. We're going for touchdowns. 
He's a uh, he's an anvil tied to our ankle. That guy. He's an anvil. And then we're going to have the government shut down, and it's going to be the Republicans' fault. Oh, my God. They won't lift the debt ceiling. And I will talk about this again and tell you about the scaremongering from the Wall Street Journal editorial page from Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell. Like it or not, they support big government. Well, the full faith and credit clause has nothing to do with this. Nothing. The full faith and credit clause goes back to the Civil War. I will explain it when the time comes. And Mr. Producer is going to dig into the archives over the next day or two, and I will explain to you how when you lost your jobs and when you lost your business and when it was shut down as a result of the, of the virus, that was righteous. And if you dared to step out, you were arrested. You were condemned. You were shamed. By the media and the Democrats and some Republicans. But as I said before, you shut down the government. Even though you don't, since 17% of it is only shut down. You shut down a park or something like that. Oh my God, it's Armageddon. I noticed one of the backbenchers picked this up today, Mr. Producer. We've only been saying this for two and a half years. So we will dig that up so you get to hear it. So I can demonstrate why it's important that you're here. And why I know it's important that you're here. Because we think outside the box. We're independent thinkers. We think for ourselves. We don't listen all day to the rest of them in order to figure out what to say. They listen to us right here. And regurgitate what we say. It's true. It's true. Now before we get to some of the outstanding comments made by Jim Jordan and James Comer and others, Ron Johnson, I don't want to pass up on this. There was testimony today in a courtroom in New York City about the Trump Organization. And Alan Weisselberg, a senior advisor, former chief financial officer at former President Trump's organization, He said he conspired with a subordinate to hide more than a decade's worth of extras from his taxable income. Ready? And I quote, but that neither Trump nor the family were involved. (sighs) Excuse me? But neither Trump nor the family were involved. Can you tell me why that's not the leading story on every single cable news show? I haven't even seen it once. Can you tell me why that's not the lead story, the headline at the New York Post front page? Let's see if it is tomorrow. Can you see if this is going to be the headline on one of the editorials from the office nerds at the Wall Street Journal? Maybe it'll be a headline at the National Review. Legal analyst Andy McCarthy, he'll jump into this, no question about that. Let's just see, ladies and gentlemen, how much the media, how much the media focus on this. Let me quote it again. Quote, Alan Weisselberg, a senior advisor and former chief financial officer at the ex-president's Trump organization, said he conspired with a subordinate to hide more than a decade's worth of extras from his taxable income, but that neither Trump nor the family were involved. Wow. Meanwhile, the Associated Press starts with this sentence. Donald Trump's longtime finance chief choked up on the witness stand Thursday, saying he betrayed the Trump family's trust. 
by scheming to dodge taxes on $1.7 million in company benefits. <coughs> but there it is, the first set Donald Trump's longtime finance chief. Shouldn't the headline be Donald Trump's longtime finance chief completely exonerates him, Mr. Producer? Now, when you have that, and you know what's funny? I do these things and people say, what are you, Trumper? I'm telling you what's going on. And then we have our friends at PJ Media, Kevin Downey Jr. Shocking, and I have the article here. Washington Compost update about Mar-a-Lago raid doesn't fit the narrative. Okay, so now we have what's going on in New York City. This is why people are disgusted. They're disgusted with the Chris Christie's and the Larry Hogan's. They're disgusted with the Republican media. This guy's under attack. He's always under investigation. And for what? It's all crap. And so people get defensive. There's nothing funnier than watching leftist punchinellos be clown themselves over the latest, we've got Trump now, hijinks. Remember when the FBI raided Trump's home, supposedly looking for quote-unquote nuclear secrets a few months back? Remember they leaked it to the Washington Compost? Remember uh, Maggot Haberman over there at the New York Slimes? Remember how you all got excited about it over there, too? Do you remember? And you were all over the constipated news network looking constipated, uh, constipated, all very, very excited. Remember that, Maggot? Guess how that turned out? I'll let the quizlings at the Washington Post spell it out. Here's what they said today. Federal agents and prosecutors have come to believe former President Donald Trump's motive for allegedly taking and keeping classified documents was largely his ego and a desire to hold on to the materials as trophies or mementos, according to people familiar with the matter. In other words... Trump was keeping souvenirs, as anyone else does. Funny how the Washington Post sat on that story until after the midterms, right? But wait, there's more! That review has not found any apparent business advantage to the types of classified information in Trump's possession, these people said. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said, also do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell, or use the government's secrets. Instead, the former president seemed motivated by a more basic desire not to give up what he believed was his property, these people said. Now, will every single one of the people on TV saying otherwise be fired tonight? No. I think they'll be promoted. Washington Post also found no evidence Trump was looking to leverage, sell, or use government secrets. They threw the idea in near the very end that they still might come up with something juicy. Hey, look, we're never going to give up. The people familiar with the matter caution that the investigation is ongoing, that no final determinations have been made. It's possible additional information could emerge that change investigators' understanding of Trump's motivations. But they said the evidence collected over a period of months indicates the primary explanation for potential criminal uh, conduct was Trump's ego or intransigence. Wow. So Trump kept a few Chotskys from his four years serving as the greatest president in recent history, writes, the nerve, the nerve of this. Please forward this article to your liberal harpy in law, he writes, and her blue-haired, trans-pansexual, gelding lady boyfriend who clung like sad, tragic barnacles to the embarrassing lie that Trump was trying to sell nuclear missiles to the Kaiser or whatever it is they needed to believe. Exactly right. 
Why isn't that a headline everywhere? So there we have the document scandal, and here we have the Trump tax scandal, in which there's no scandal whatsoever. And they wonder why the guy's angry. I mean, how many of you could put up with this? It's just endless. But those damn Republicans, now they're going to investigate the Bidens. Oh, my God. Didn't they get a lesson from the last election? They are supposed to freeze in place. Meet the, meet, meet the Democrats at the 40-yard line, I tell you. That's right. Show progress. Vote for more programs. Lift the debt ceiling. Spend more money. Create more debt. That's right. Meet them at the 40-yard line. Meet the American Marxists at the 40-yard line. And don't, whatever you do, investigate the Biden crime family or the Democrat. No, 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 no. Maybe now we'll actually find out what happened on January 6th with Pelosi and the FBI and all the rest. <laughs> 